Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the inside of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. And he said, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereupon thou standest is holy ground. I love this story. But I will admit to you my concern that if I encountered a burning bush in the middle of the wilderness, I might hurry past it. Yes, Spiritual practice informs my entire life, but unless it's scheduled weeks in advance, there's just no time for one more experience of holiness. How about you? My beloved colleague, Victoria Safford, who serves the White Bear Unitarian Universalist Church in Medomini, Minnesota, tells this story. I was coming out of the church at dusk. No one was around. Just as I came out into the parking lot, a pickup truck whipped into one of the farthest spaces from the building and shut off its lights. I saw a guy get out, heard the car door slam, looked again, and he had disappeared. There was nowhere he could have gone. I waited a few moments. My car was on the far side of his truck. So I started walking slowly toward it, leaving a wide arc of space. I was glad I did this because as I got closer to the truck, I could see the man. He was kneeling on a small piece of carpet right next to the front tire, facing the dead end of Maple Street, facing the east. He didn't see me, or if he did, he gave no sign. He bowed his head till it touched the ground, then sat up and stood up and bowed again and with his arms outstretched. This was a person at prayer. His truck was some kind of utility vehicle. He must have been a plumber or electrician working on a job in the neighborhood, which went longer than he'd meant to, almost past the call to evening prayer. He was clearly a busy guy. 
He pulled in here to unroll his mat, take off his shoes and cap and gloves, all laid out neatly beside him. And then and there, he established holy ground, sacred space, time out of time on the threshold of the night. I went back into the building and waited inside a while. It's a strange thing to wait while someone prays, to hang around while someone is talking to God. It's an intimate thing. There's a vulnerability there. It didn't take very long, just about long enough for me to notice east and west, which I forget about sometimes. I noticed the light, saw for the first time in weeks that five o'clock looks different in February from in December. It was about long enough to take a breath or two, which can never be a waste of time. I think of the close of Mary Oliver's anointed the summer day. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I have been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? This is a sermon in praise of turning aside or kneeling down or taking a breath or two. We are driven to distraction. In 1941, Thomas Kelly, a Quaker, wrote, Our lives grow too complex and overcrowded. Even the necessary obligations that we feel we must meet grow overnight like Jack's beanstalk. We're weary and breathless. In regret, we postpone till next week or next year that deeper life of unshakable composure in the holy presence the life where we sincerely know our true home. We postpone for this week, this day, this hour is much too full. And we know and regret that our life is slipping away with our having tasted so little of the peace and joy and serenity we are persuaded life should yield to a soul of wide caliber. That was over 80 years ago, and I'm positive it's only gotten worse. I won't dwell on this, but let me just say that the news isn't helping. That unrelenting tsunami that floods our lives with details of devastation from around the world. A journalism professor writes, the news has become so addictive, it's hard to step away, even for a few hours. But the constant wash is emotionally draining and physically harmful. I joke that we need trauma care, 
but I'm not really joking at all. While fully embracing their responsibility to stay informed, our own Alma Antoniati and Gail Jeunesse stopped watching the news at night. All it does is make me angry, Alma says. Another parishioner says, I'm filled with anxiety and a constant sense of dread. Another says, I can't afford to be this sad. And yet another says, I want to be informed, but I can't live like this. The news feels toxic. I'm trying to manage my experience. Yes, to be solid citizens of this fragile democracy, we need to know what's what. But to survive, we need a mediating influence, something that comforts us, holds, and upholds us. British Quaker leader and advocate of religious freedom, William Penn, said, true religion does not draw us out of the world, but enables us to live better in it and excites in us endeavors to mend it. True religion true spirituality. What might that look like for us keeping appointments with holiness? Author Annie Dillard writes, every day is a God. Each day is a God and holiness holds forth in time. I worship each God. I praise each day. Abraham Joshua Heschel calls it making sunset our business. Rabbi Heschel was born in Poland in 1907 of a long line of Orthodox Jewish rabbis. He studied at yeshiva, then went to Berlin to pursue his doctorate as well as ordination. Back in Warsaw, six weeks before Germany invaded Poland, Rabbi Heschel left for work in London. Many members of his family, including his mother and three sisters, perished. In 1940, Rabbi Heschel arrived in New York to serve on the faculty of Hebrew Union College, where he served as a professor of Jewish philosophy and mysticism. He became a leader in the civil rights movement, and he and Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. became friends. Rabbi Heschel recalled joining Dr. King for the Selma to Montgomery March for Voting Rights and feeling, he said, like his legs were praying as he walked next to Dr. King. But backing up, this brief paragraph from his time of study in Germany, his first time away from home. I became increasingly aware of the gulf that separated my views from those held at the university, he writes. The questions I was moved by could not even be adequately phrased in categories of their thinking. The problem to my professors was how to be good. In my ears, the question rang, how to be holy to Judaism. The idea of the good is penultimate. It cannot exist without the holy. 
We cannot be good unless we strive to be holy. In those months in Berlin, he wrote, I walked alone in the evenings through the magnificent streets. There were concerts, theaters, and lectures by famous scholars, and I was pondering whether to go to the new Max Reinhardt play or to go to a lecture about the theory of relativity. Suddenly, I noticed the sun had gone down. Evening had arrived. From what time may one recite the Shema, the heart of daily prayers, in the evening? I had forgotten God. I had forgotten that sunset is my business, that my task is to restore the world. So I began to utter the words of the evening prayer. Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe, who by his word brings on the evening twilight. Can we too make sunset our business? Maybe you think, oh, it won't make a difference. But you know, we're like the starfish. Do you remember anthropologist Lauren Isley's story, The Star Thrower? The narrator arrives in Costabel, a coastal village in Spain. Walking the beach one pre-dawn morning, he writes, long-limbed starfish were strewn everywhere, sprawling where the waves had tossed them as though showered down through the night sky. Ahead of me, a giant rainbow of incredible perfection had sprung shimmering into existence. Toward its foot, I discerned a human figure standing, as it seemed to me, within the rainbow, gazing fixedly at something in the sand. He stooped and flung an object beyond the breaking surf. I labored another half mile toward him. In a pool of sand and silt, a starfish had thrust its arms up stiffly and was holding its body away from the stifling mud it's still alive, I ventured. Yes, he said, and with a quick yet gentle movement, he picked up the star and spun it out over my head and far out into the sea. It may live if the offshore, offshore pull is strong enough, he said. He stooped again and skipped another star neatly out across the water. The stars, he said, throw well. One can help them. He tossed another star, skimming it skillfully far out over the ravening and tumultuous water. Later, the narrator reflects on a point of land. I found the star thrower, turning the wheel of compassion from life to death and back to life again. Looking around the beach, littered with bodies, if we ask, what does it matter, as yet another starfish is returned to the sea, we can answer, it mattered to that one. It matters to us. Answering to our own version of the Jewish Shema, the Muslim call to prayer, or the divine office of Christianity, marking the cycle of hours with tolling bells at sunrise, six, nine, noon, three, six, and nine, 
matters. Benedictine monk Brother David Stendhal Ross says, bells or no bells, I pray. I let the silence drop like a pebble into the middle of my day and send the ripples out over the surface in ever-widening circles. No matter what he's doing, he stops to be present. A Unitarian Universalist colleague says, will my spiritual practice make a difference to the future of the country? I'm not sure. In the part of my spirit where injustice is tearing a hole? I think so. Queen Cheryl has an app on her phone that randomly sets off a meditation bell roughly every two hours. Picture this at the sound of the bell. The students in her busy training room at Dunkin' Donuts all stop mid-sentence, mid-gesture, mid-donut, and just breathe. Just breathe. Lois Hartsoff notices the sky. What practice will make a difference in your life? Making a commitment to be here all together, showing up in the Zoom room or the sanctuary for yourself, for all of us, for the world, that's a great start. What else keeps you on this side of sanity? What guides your feet, makes you laugh and cry, fills you with wonder, reminds you to love extravagantly and give thanks? Maybe it's reading, listening or singing, eating or fasting. Maybe it begins in nature. Maybe it's meditation or prayer, movement or stillness or silence. Holy ground is on a city street, in a field, in a parking lot at dusk, in the wilderness. Pay attention. Beloved spiritual companions, I invite you to join me in the spirit of meditation, prayer, silence, with these words from civil rights activist and the first African-American to earn a doctorate at Harvard, W.E.B. Du Bois, from his book, Prayers for Dark People. Remember that you can substitute love for all the names of the divine. Let's breathe. This is the day, O oh God, when the floods of thy world sunshine billow out over our lives and the shimmer and shine of things make it seem good and pleasant to walk on green earth. Let us enjoy all that thou hast given us, but let us do more than enjoy. Let us work while the day dawns and sow for the harvest and strive for that inner light which shall shine in the day when sun fails and moons are dim and the joy of living seems trembling to the dust. Give us this wisdom in this thy day, O God, and in thy night rest.
Let's breathe. Amen. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart in namaste. I bow to the divine in you. Reverend Theodore Parker lived from 1810 to 1850. He was a Unitarian minister, a transcendentalist, and an abolitionist. These are his words. Be ours a religion, which like sunshine goes everywhere. Its temple, all space, its shrine, the good heart, its creed, all truths. Its ritual, works of love, its profession of faith, divine living. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. I love you. Amen. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace.